Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Ricky Chino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. Oh, yes, and a good, what day is it? Thursday? Who am I? Who's on this podcast right now? I don't even know. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be back talking wrestling. We're glad to be back here on Believe in Pro Wrestling. I was hoping to have, like, a full week this week, a a full array of shows like we normally do. Finally got all the technical glitches and scheduling issues out of the way. And then some more shit just goes down in my life and yeah i had to take a couple of days off thank you everybody who reached out um turned out to just be a whole lot of nothing thankfully uh that's where i'm gonna leave it at that but i uh, appreciate everybody who did uh, kind of reach out and uh and just make sure i and everybody in my uh, circle is uh, okay we are okay and we're good and we're here to talk about some pro wrestling and god damn sp3 let's talk about some pro wrestling new AEW World Tag Team Champions. I I knew the Bucks were going to be transitional. I said it a number of times on this show. That part I called. I wouldn't have bet a dollar that it would be Swerve in our glory who took those AEW World Tag Team titles off of the hands of the young bucks we got some tremendous news on the front of big e we just got a sasha banks update that came to my email so whenever sp3 uh, goes on his opening diatribe i will dive right into that uh and make sure we get that on this show wardlow stepping off his aew uh, tnt title run in glorious fashion chris jericho making headlines this week for some things that he said on a podcast not too long ago the good doctor is back and uh, we missed some things this week, SP3. Some very questionable booking decisions in the world of WWE. We will dive into all of that on today's episode. But first things first, got to thank our partners over at Bet Online, the continued number one source for all your betting needs and information. Get all the latest odds, news, sports developments, including. The NBA Summer League. SP3, would you are, are you that big of a degenerate that you would gamble on the NBA Summer League? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Major League Baseball there is, is there as well. Fighting news, even next season's early NFL futures. Heck, I bet you can you can drop money on NHL free agency if you put any amount of money on Goudreau. Like the top free agent from Calgary signing in Columbus. You just paid off your mortgage because no one has ever chosen to play in Columbus. Head on over to the website. Use your mobile device. Sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV. That's believe, by the way, to get that bonus and get into the action. Bet online where the game starts. We thank you guys for tuning in. If you're new, make sure to pound that thumbs up button. Make sure to pound that subscribe button really helps drive up our audience and we greatly appreciate that sp3 it takes a lot and i mean a lot to surprise me in professional wrestling these days especially when you have talented reporters out there like sean ross sap and andrew zarian and all the like 
it is not a lot of secrets, not a lot of shocks, not a lot of surprises in, in professional wrestling anymore. I was stunned, pleasantly surprised, very happy, but still incredibly stunned by the result of the main event on AEW Dynamite last night. I thought this was a tailor-made young bucks retain over the numbers of two and three contenders. I thought the story here was they were ducking FTR, setting up that tag team title match for All Out, which we found out last night will be in Chicago because Chicago gets every damn thing all of a sudden. <laughs> but tremendous match, hell of a lot of falsies. They sold me on a lot of those finishes there last night. And then, uh, holy shit, holy shit, Swerve gets the three count on Ricky Stark, who I believe was the MVP of that match, by the way. That dude was incredible again last night. He'll get his moment one day. Worf Strickland, Keith Lee, AEW Tag Team Champions. I mean, my goodness, good sir. What a result last night. What a finish. The final 10 minutes of that matchup is why I will say, and I will, I don't care if I die on this hill or not, the Young Bucks are the kings of tag team wrestling and maybe the greatest TV tag team of all time because this had their fingerprints written all over it, how the match was structured, how everyone was highlighted, how we got the little moment of Swerve in our glory. You know, you had the moment with Swerve with the title belt. Was he going to use it on Keith Lee? Yeah, was he just spot. thinking about the, the, the decision to use the title and cheat or, you know, do it the right way and he made the choice to do it the right way. And it looked like it was about to cost him when, uh, you know, Matt takes the title belt, hits him with the title belt. That was a great false finish. He had the false finish on the uh, double stomp spirit bomb on Matt Hart on Matt Jackson. After they went for the uh, Melsa driver, you had the BTE trigger false finish. You had powerhouse Hobbs spine buster and everybody and their mama. And then that final stretch of swerve coming out of nowhere with the spring board moonsault off of Keith Lee's chest then Keith Lee with the Topecon Hilo as only he can at 350 plus pounds and then Swerve hitting the Swerve stomp like you saw the crowd kind of get on their feet at that moment because everybody was laid out and Swerve had him in position he hits the Swerve stomp and I'm just like wait is is every everyone got taken out by by Keith Lee? I was like, what is going on? One, two, three. I just stood there utterly stunned. It's me myself. There is not a lot of times I am genuinely surprised by a title change, and you know, it's a title change that I didn't. Preferably want because I wanted that big, you know, all four titles on the line between FDR and the Young Bucks, but I don't care. Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee deserve this. They've been putting in their work, having great matches for AEW ever since both men signed around the same time. Keith Lee came in in February, Swerve Strickland came in in March. They've come together, they've made this what, what, 
a lot of people viewed as a makeshift tag team. They've kind of formed it into their own and they told their own story where, you know, they kind of they kind of laid it out in front of us when they called themselves Shaq and Kobe on the June 1st episode of of Dynamite, where, you know, everybody say, oh, they're like Shaq and Kobe. They're going to win championships together. But no, Shaq and Kobe are known as one of the greatest duos in NBA history because they hated each other. So that was like the foreshadowing of what was going to happen the week after with Swerve eliminating Keith Lee from the Casino Battle Royale. And we've had to see them kind of put their differences aside to try to gain tag team success. They had a really good match at the uh, the Forbidden Door buy-in. Again, El Desperado and Yoshinabu Kanamaru. They had their green match with Starks and Haas back in uh, New Orleans in April. And then this, they're the three-way at double or nothing. And then this match was the best match that I've seen with these two guys together. And like I said, everybody was highlighted. This was such a great main event to the show. And it had to be because we also got a great match earlier in the show with John Moxley and Takeshna. And this topped it. This was one of the best main events of Dynamite the entire year. If we if we didn't have other stuff to catch up on that we missed this week, I could spend 20 minutes talking about Takeshna, by the way. That he is that dude <laughs> my goodness john moxley has been on a roll Takeshna has been on a roll those two dudes were absolutely on fire there were three spectacular matches tonight fun very fun opener which we'll get to moxley and Takeshna was the match of the night until the main event and you know what you you talk about not necessarily wanting this this result for a swerve in our glory to win. I think a lot of people wanted, you know, wanted these two teams to kind of win this matchup. I kind of felt like, at least now in retrospect, I almost feel like this, this was a result that was needed because for both of these teams tonight, it felt like if not now, when it was like kind of a now or never, it's time to pull the trigger. And I still think we could get young bucks and FTR at all out. There's a lot of time in between now and then. And like you said, it, this isn't like, this isn't exactly Shaq and Kobe that we're talking about here with Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland because they won the title. Ain't no off season. They, they got to defend them now and they're going right into this. And they, they still, they still ain't vibing, even though they won this match. Like you said, you had that spot with Strickland where he's like, do I just take this big MF route? What, what's going on here? You know, that kind of an angle here. So I could definitely see a situation where, they don't have these belts very long because they can't get along. So maybe they decide, maybe TK decided to reward these guys before they split them up, or they just decide, you know what? WWE was really onto something with that Cora Jade and Roxanne Perez thing. Maybe we uh, put the tag team titles on them and then we swerve everybody. See, swerve, pun intended. We swerve everybody by having. Keith Lee turn on them after they win the tag or some bullshit. I'm, I'm obviously joking. We'll get to that booking finish later, but I could see this being a very short run for Swerve in our glory, just based off the fact that they aren't vibing with each other right now, but still, this was a hell of a win and um, they got them. That's the point. They got them. Yeah. Yeah, it's just about spotlighting two guys who deserve this uh, chance to hold the AEW World Tag Team titles. You know, you got the Young Bucks are now the shortest reigning AEW Tag Team champions in history, but they weren't pinned. 
They're also the yes. longest, aren't they? Yes. Yes. Yep. They're longest and the shortest AEW World Tag Team Champions with their two reigns. And but they weren't pinned in this matchup. So Swerve in Our Glory has two ready-made matchups within this triple threat because they still haven't beaten Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs in a straight up tag team matchup. This was a three-way. And then they have their matchup with the Young Bucks. So there's so many different ways they can go. FTR is still the number one contender. So there's a lot lot of different layers and this tag team division is hotter than ever and i like i said it wasn't a result that i wanted but this is the result that the tag team division needed because everything feels so much fresh and there's so many options heading into you know the rest of the summer into all out in september and also i think this is Tony Khan likes to do this from time to time where he will throw out a major surprise just to kind of refresh the audience and say, hey, look, anything can happen at any time. I'll change a major championship on a random Wednesday in July. I ain't afraid to do it. And it rewards the audience for tuning in to the free television. You know, you expect title changes at pay-per-views. You don't expect them. Three, how many, how long has the Unbucks had it? Three weeks, four weeks? It doesn't feel like it's been that long since they won those belts. I don't know. Time four is weeks. They won yeah, it on four. June fifteenth. So almost four weeks to the day. You don't expect them to drop them a month later on free television in a in a triple threat event. But again, it was a special Fighter Fest, you know, whole two week thing. So who knows? They could schedule a rematch for Fighter Fest week two, and Swerve Under Glory could drop them then at this point. But still, Tony Khan rewarding his audience, letting them know, hey, anything can happen at any time. You never know. Make sure to tune in. Never forget Sting debuted on free television. You never know when things can happen in AEW, and I love that. It's so damn refreshing, especially when you look at, you know, Monday Night Raw this past week. Yeah, just I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Some companies put in effort all the time. Some don't. Speaking of that company that doesn't always put in effort all the time, we have a Sasha Banks update from fightful select sasha making waves yesterday or excuse me excuse me should i say mercedes verdano making headlines yesterday as she was announced for c2e2 which is basically as i understand it chicago's version of comic-con uh she is going there as a representative of the star wars cast from mandalorian uh you would never know that she was in the mandalorian by watching wwe programming but she was in the mandalorian and she is going to be there in a non-wwe capacity and this will be her first public appearance outside of going to concerts and this that and the other thing this will be her first appearance with fans since everything went down with her and naomi and this has caused some people to do some digging including wrestling promoters and according to Sean Rossap from Fightful Select, wrestling promoters were uh, who attempted to book her after this came out. Obviously, Sasha was going to get a ton of a flood of emails and invites and things like that in this situation. They were basically told that she is only taking non-wrestling related bookings until January 1st. That was the that was the key here. Only non wrestling related bookings for the rest of this year. Uh, the report goes on to say WWE still has not officially confirmed her release publicly or to Fightful. One promoter that reached out said they cannot imagine her not being released at this point. Talent we followed up with are also under the impress uh, also under that impression. 
still, but from an official capacity, nothing has changed at this point. Uh, Raj Geary did say the WWE is still trying to smooth things over uh, with Sasha Banks at this point, but I do find that very, very interesting at the fact that she has a date for non-wrestling related bookings and then when she can take other wrestling related bookings. That seems to me to indicate that there is some kind of official capacity here, even if WWE isn't confirming it at this point. Yeah, and I've been trying to tell people, you know, this whole week since the PW Insider report happened with them being, you know, off the internal roster. And I said it on the show on Monday that we're not going to hear from WWE if she is released because they haven't been announcing releases like that. They they call up or text Sean Ross Sapp and Sean Ross Sapp is usually the person that we rely on to get that answer. And, I, you know, this further update with the non-wrestling book kind of tells and leans to the fact that yeah she's gone from wwe as of now like i said on on monday show that for right now sasha banks is not with wwe but you know we haven't heard official words she hasn't been taken off of you know the website but how she's operating she seems gone and the way that you know naomi has been on social media leans to you know favor that she might be gone as well but you know we'll wait on them to give us the final you know stamp of approval that they're officially gone but if you're relying on wwe for that answer you'll be waiting for a while i wouldn't be surprised um if it does become an official capacity, the WWE does make an exception to say that they have released Sasha Banks. I wouldn't be surprised if they did it or they didn't do it because, as you said, they haven't been doing it as of late. The last person that they did it for was Bray Wyatt, and I think they did it for Bray Wyatt because it was such a big name, and Sasha Banks is obviously a big name. And this man, all of this really kind of puts a, a cloud over the fact of what yesterday was. Yesterday was the seven-year anniversary where Charlotte, Becky, and Sasha made their debuts on the main roster. And, man, if you look at where all these women are and what they have accomplished at this point, man, it really does kind of suck that this is how things have gone down with Sasha Banks, who has just been as important to the women's revolution evolution to WWE as Charlotte and as Becky Lynch, even if WWE doesn't quite realize it. I really hope at what, at some point we can get a better ending and a better finish between Sasha Banks and WWE than, than this ugly breakup. I really hope that they can make up down the line, but it ain't going to happen anytime soon. It is not going to happen anytime soon that is for damn sure i wouldn't be surprised if she goes for another wrestling company goes to hollywood maybe 2024 2025 we might get sasha banks back in wwe but i don't think it's going to happen anytime soon Although I don't want WWE to go out of business, you know, WWE means a lot to me as a fan and for personal reasons, yes. I never want to see WWE go out of business. But I also am not in the business of wishing good things for WWE. So if <laughs> Sasha Banks never goes back to WWE, I'd be perfectly fine. Fair enough. One person I do hope to see back in a WWE ring uh, as well, because I do want to see Sasha Banks back in the WWE ring, would be Big E. We got some great news from him yesterday as he talked to uh, ESPN. A nice, a nice article dropped out yesterday. Great update 
Uh, doctors do expect Big E to make a full recovery after he broke his neck earlier this year in a match with the Brawling Brutes or Fight Night or whatever the hell you want to call them. Took a belly-to-back suplex, uh, and it, it went it went bad uh, in the worst way possible, but maybe not because they do expect him to make a full recovery. Still way too soon to determine uh, when or if he'll be back in the ring. They want to kind of take like a, I believe it was a year, like the year mark they're going to kind of assess and then figure out when he'll be able to be back. So he's not going to be back this year. He's not going to be back maybe even until well into 2023 or even 2024 at this point. But that that is irrelevant. Health is the most important thing. And I think the highlight of this article is, you know, once again, Biggie, our positivity holds no ill ill will towards Ridge Holland or anything that happened. He's taken a great positive spin on this and he's healthy. All things considered, he can live a normal life at this point. I mean, man, that that's all gravy. I don't think you can ask for anything more after a scary situation like that. Now, if there's one person I do wish nothing but good things for is Big E. Big E is just, you know, one of the most loved and beloved, you know, stars, whether it be by his fellow colleagues, whether it be by fans, he deserves, you know, the best. So I'm so happy to hear that he can make a full recovery. Um, I'm not trying to rush him back to the ring, but I would, you know, I'm going to be so happy when he's able to make his return because we know how much he loves WWE. He loves the business and he deserves, you know, the world. When he comes back, I hope that he's able to regain the WWE championship and reach the heights of WWE uh, where he belongs and where he should have never left. And he should have never, in my opinion, he should have never been in the position that he was to be in that match. He should have been working with guys like Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, Brock Lesnar, on Monday Night Raw instead of being in a mid-card tag team matchup that will only be remembered for what happened to Big E and not for the quality of the matchup. What he was doing for the months before that is where Big E belongs, so I hope that he can make that full recovery, and by the time we get to the end of 2023, we're talking about Big E's return as one of the highlights of that year. Yeah, you, man, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said, like, He's one of the most beloved guys in the world. If you not liking Big E or saying anything bad about Big E, I instantly don't trust you as a human being. That's like that's like not liking dogs, right? Like that's that's just like if you don't like dogs, I don't trust you. I just don't trust you as a human being. If you don't like Big E or you say bad things about Big E, I don't trust you as a human being and I don't need that negativity in my life. Like this guy this is a straight up good dude all the way down to his core. I have had the pleasure of chatting with him on several occasions. He is just an extraordinarily humble human being. I love everything about this man. I will root for this man no matter what he does. I did love the fact that he is going to be in Nashville as well as WWE is going to be holding a big three-day tryout uh, at SummerSlam, much like they did uh, last year. They were able to pick up uh, some big stars from last year's audition out in Vegas, including Nikita Lyons, uh, who. Uh, was an absolute star of that audition. I'm hoping they get to let the media in here a little bit. And, you know, like they did last year, that would be fun to be a part of. So, uh, again, man, it's great that he's going to be there and kind of evaluating talent and stuff like that. So I hope they continue to use him in certain situations uh, like that. And just, yeah, nothing but good vibes uh, all the way 
around. Again, we appreciate you guys tuning into the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast here on the YouTube channel. Thumbs up, subscribe, or you can find us literally anywhere podcasts are available. Spotify, Apple, iHeart. We are everywhere. Wherever you consume us, wherever you enjoy us, make sure to hit that subscribe button. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. All right, we got five big questions we got to dive into. Let's get to it. It's time to answer the five count on the Believe Podcast Network. We got one in the books for Mr. Wardlow, the new TNT champion. Talk about tag team titles getting kind of a reboot over the last few weeks. This was a clean sweep reboot of the TNT championship last week when Wardlow won that belt off of Scorpio Sky. Uh, you were not here last week to, to talk about that victory, but it was badly needed for that TNT title picture. And all of a sudden we are, we're, now we're cooking with gas as far as the TNT title is concerned, in my opinion, because this match last night with Orange Cassidy, who continues to just, I don't know, like if you're still sleeping on Orange Cassidy at this point, I don't know what's going to wake you up because this is a guy that can work with literally anybody i loved the storytelling in this match i love that they were able to to still have fun and still showcase wardlow as not only a monster by the way but as a damn genius because he had an answer for everything that the best friends and Dan, like he knew every trick in the book he knew it was going to happen before it happened in this match cassidy still got some offense in he looked great in defeat Perfect first title defense for uh, for Wardlow. It looks like he might be one of these guys who is going to defend it every week or every other week. He's going to get a chance to have a lot of title defenses. I do expect a long, lengthy title run for Wardlow. The question is how long? I'm not going to ask as far as timing is concerned because I think that's almost improbable to predict. But I will ask you this, SP3. Over or under 12 and a half successful TNT title defenses for Wardlow. He's already at one. Over or under 12 and a half. I'll set that. Can we get that at bet online? I'll go under. Ooh. I think that he will be under. I think he might get to 11. I believe the record is eight by Darby Allen uh, during Darby Allen's reign. And I think that Warlow is going to eclipse that. He's going to have the most defenses as TNT champion. Um, I'm not too sure. Maybe it, I think it's I think for a single reign it's Darby, but I think overall maybe it might be Cody. But uh, for a single reign, it's Darby with eight. But I think Warlow's going to get to double digits, but I don't think he's going to get to 13. That, see, that was interesting because originally when I put this out there, this is why I love having you on the show because you just have this information fresh off the top of your head. I originally set this at nine and a half and then I bumped it up because I thought nine and a half was way too low. So it's interesting that you're you're, you're just coming in above that. I'm going to say he goes over. I really am going to say because at this point right now. Maybe it's because I don't I don't want to picture him dropping the belt. I don't know who beats him for it. And I think that's unless he gets screwed out of it somehow, he gets in a feud with somebody unless that's how they bring MJF back and he decides to screw over Wardlow and they pick back up there. But that was such a definitive win for him. And that story had such a clean cut point. I don't know if that's what, how or why I'd bring MJF back in. 
I think this is exactly what the TNT title needs. I know he's going to get a ton of, of title defenses on television, both on pay-per-view. I, I hope he's on the all-out card because he deserves to be there as over and as hot that he is. I'm going to say over. I might even say well over uh, at this point. Chris Jericho made some uh, headlines this week, SP3. You might have seen about that. Hell, you might have written some of them up uh, for Wrestle Talk this week as he was on the Gordy podcast. I believe I'm saying that correctly. I believe he was over in your neck of the woods in, uh, in UK. He's, uh, ma again, made a ton of headlines, made some some comments about the Vince McMahon controversy, but here's the thing. I'm tired of talking about Vince McMahon, and I do believe that was outdated information that Jericho was making those comments about, so I'm going to ignore those. But he did say something else. Uh, that uh, garnered a lot of headlines. And whenever you say something like this, people are bound to react strongly. Quote, when we started AEW, it was solely on my back. I really believe that because if you look at the roster, unless you were a hardcore wrestling fan, no one effing knew any of these guys. I had three to six months to make as many stars as I can because if I if not, I can't. As great as I am, and as great as I think I am, if I'm the only guy on the show for six months and the only star, it's gonna die. SP3, do you agree with Chris Jericho on this one that he basically carried AEW on his back for the first several months of the promotion's existence? Yes, I would say the first several months of AEW was the greatest stretch in Chris Jericho's career. Um, he had to be the anchor for this new company. Uh, you know, guys like me, of course, knew Kenny Omega and the Young Bugs. I got to see Darby Allen firsthand and evolve. I got to see, you know, all these guys, the Lucha Brothers. I got to see in like Impact Wrestling and stuff like that. But that's me as a hardcore wrestling fan. For the casual fans that have been, you know, reintroduced to professional wrestling, it was Chris Jericho that grabbed them. You know, John Moxley was also there but john moxley was for more of the newer fans who were like wwe fans who were still you know wwe fans or maybe wwe casuals and jumped over to AEW because of jericho and moxley but it really came down to chris jericho so i do agree with them i didn't agree with much he said during this interview but this was one of the things that i did agree with and i just checked my homework Darby Allen had nine defenses of the TNT championship. So 9.5 would have been on the money. If you said just over the record, dang, I should have done that, but still, I'm still taking Wardlow way over nine and a half and over 12 and a half. I, I think that I don't, I think this one is hard to disagree with. Look until CM Punk. And I've said this before until CM Punk signed with the company until Tony Khan got CM Punk on the dotted line. Chris Jericho was the single biggest signing in the history of AEW because he instantly gave this upstart promotion exactly what it needed, which was credibility. You had a guaranteed Hall of Famer, world-renowned, one of the best to ever do it. You may not like him personally. You may not like his views on a lot of things. You may not like his music. You may think he is too old and needs to go the F away. You may not give a shit whether or not you see pain maker next week and you bet you hope that eddie kingston drains every ounce of blood out of his body next week doesn't change the facts and the facts are this company is successful because chris jericho was there 
in the beginning. Kenny Omega is fantastic. He's one of the best talents in the world. Cody Rhodes, obviously he was the the big fish uh, at that point until Jericho showed up out of nowhere on that 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 faithful day. The the all elite you know press announcement. They had a couple of 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 surprise announcements. Pac wasn't going to be packing the house, right? Like it was a nice signing. Hangman Adam Page, not the star that he is today. And Jericho even brought up John Moxley. He said, look, Mox isn't the guy that he is right now, which I had to think about. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I mean, everybody was excited to see Dean Ambrose show up in AEW when he did. You got to remember, this is a guy who was constantly berated, beat down, and a clown. And this guy came out of getting injections in his ass to showing up. At was it uh which pay-per-view double or nothing when he showed up? Double or nothing in 2019. Right. So and that was like right after Jericho won the belt, right? Or he won the chance to get no, the belt. he won. Yeah, he beat Kenny Omega to get the uh first AEW world championship match against Hangman at all out. Exactly. All right. So okay. I, I knew I was somewhere in that ballpark on that one. But yeah, man, Mox wasn't the guy that he is today. And then all of a sudden you start to see the guy show up. So yes. Chris Jericho is accurate on that. Again, may not like the guy. May hope he gets his ass handed to him. Literally, ass in his hands by Eddie Kingston next week. But he's 100% right on that. He carried this company on its back and created, uh, helped to create uh, a lot of stars who are still with the company uh, today. The only one who's not there right now would be Cody Rhodes. Didn't have much of a women's division to lie on at that point. Dr. Britt Baker wasn't who she is today she did show back up by the way it's nice to see dr Britt baker i thought the sandbag bit tonight was savage just absolutely savage uh you got to be somebody who pays attention on social media to probably get that burn but that was a pretty good burn from dr Britt baker Let's let's dive into this one here. True or false, SP3. Now that Tony Storm is behind Thunder Rosa, or should I say side by side to Thunder Rosa? By the way, Thunderstorm, fantastic tag team name. Absolutely love it. Love these two together. They just work. You still got Dr. Britt and Jamie Hayter there. Thunder Rosa, even though she's got a title defense that she's going to be having coming up here soon, she took a surprising loss. Uh not too long ago, just a few days ago to set up that title defense. She's still probably going to be the AEW women's champion. Come all out. Unless Tony Khan decides to go just absolutely haywire and pull another shocker out, but she's going to need an opponent at all out. You look at the landscape of the women's division. The fact that there's clearly still some, some business to be had between Thunder Rosa and Dr. Britt Baker, true or false. The good doctor is going to be the one who challenges Thunder Rosa for the AEW women's championship in Chicago at all out. False. I think that she will be one of Thunder Rosa's challengers at All Out. I think it's going to be the four women that we saw on screen. I think it's going to be a four-way with Tony Storm, Dr. Britt Baker, and Jamie Hayter versus Thunder Rosa in a four-way for the AEW World Championship because I feel like they're going to do Miyu Masha against uh, Thunder Rosa and... um, what is it? Battle of the Belts in August. 
that will be the title defense there. And then come all out, you do the four way, you know, you can have these women, you know, feuding over the next two months. You can mix up the different matchups. Give us Tony Storm versus Jamie Hayter again, which I've been wanting to see ever since their uh, Owen Hart Cup matchup in the first round give us tony storm versus Britt baker because they're one one against each other and then give us the tag match like sometime in august and that leads in nicely to all out for the four way i think that's the best way to go because i feel like the thunderstorm they are connected at the hip so you got to keep them together and you got to have some friction there and I think it will lead nicely to All Out because I think at All Out, we're also going to see Jade Cargill versus Athena. So give me a multi-women matchup for the AEW Women's World Championship. That's a tough bet as well because you still got Chris Statlander's in there as well. And I think that is... I think Statlander's getting the first shot at the TBS title. And then you set up for Athena because Athena versus Cargill is the bigger matchup. And they do that at All Out. You're right, it is. I wouldn't be surprised if they decide to go with Triple Threat. And again, that's that's... It's a very interesting dynamic, and I'm looking forward to talking to Athena about that. I was supposed to talk to her earlier this week. Unfortunately, I had to cancel that interview. Uh, It's getting rescheduled as we speak. I will let you guys know as soon as that goes down and when you can can listen to it. So, um, man, that's a tough one because, again, it's still September. Are we really going to drag out Jade Cargill and and Athena and Chris Statler all the way to September? Uh, at all out at this point, I feel like it's already kind of drug out. I was so ecstatic to hear that Athena and Statlander were actually going to like wrestle on Rampage on Friday. I'm sitting here and I'm going, Athena's had two matches in AEW. Two. She's been here for two months. She's had two matches. Talk about slow playing. Um, I love your idea. I really do. So I'm going to go false as well. Um, because honestly, I was going to say true. The idea of a fatal four way didn't even cross cross my mind, which again is why I love having you on this show. And I think you could create a very, very interesting dynamic where Tony actually wins the belt at all out by beating Britt Baker or by beating Jamie Hayter. And now all of a sudden it's, oh, well, can, can Thunderstorm stick together? They still joined at the hip, even with the belt on Tony Storm's shoulders. So I think that that might be uh, an interesting dynamic and a way to protect Tony uh, uh, Thunder Rosa as well. My thought was to use this as the catalyst to finally break up Brit and Jamie, actually, is to have Brit or Jamie on their way to winning and one or the other cost them the the opportunity to win. So I think that, yeah, I think that, I mean, I want to see Thunder Rosa hold on to this title until they are ready to crown Jade Cargill. I think that Thunder, Thunder Rosa deserves a long reign and especially with her kind of traveling and going to Tokyo, I would love to see an actual title defense for the AEW Women's World Championship in tokyo because that tokyo joshi pro wrestling event of uh, a summer sun princess was one of the best shows i've seen all year that was a great matchup with uh miyu yamashka and the, the main event was really good with shoko uh, nakajima versus tasumi you had a tag team matchup with yuka sakazaki and they had so many familiar names from aew so i would love to see her you know over there against her karashida who was on that show against that the legend that is aja kong so i would love to see thunder rosa kind of go to tokyo maybe go to the uk and be that traveling champion that she wants to be so i don't want her reign to end at all out especially because I might be there. I want to see Thunder Rosa win live. 
<laughs> oh man, you might get the the Rick Uccino 2018 treatment. It seemed like every time I'd go to an event, either Becky Lynch wouldn't be on the card or she would just be booked to lose. <laughs> so you might be getting that 28. Let's let's dive back to 2018 real quick, by the way, because that was the last time, believe it or not. Actually, it's pretty easy to believe based off of her booking the last few years. That was the last time Carmella held a women's championship, solely a women's championship in WWE. She held, she was the one who went into SummerSlam that year as the women's champion, went in a triple threat match against Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. Charlotte won. Becky beat the shit out of Charlotte. The man was born, and we were off to the races. Charlotte, Becky took off. Carmella immediately fell back to the wayside and pretty much has been there ever since and has continued to be one of the most underutilized and underappreciated talents in that entire women's division. Fast forward to today. On Monday Night Raw this week, Carmella inexplicably got another shot at the, the women's championship. Let's let's just ignore the fact that she didn't really deserve that rematch for the uh, WWE Raw Women's Championship, but she got it. And then Becky Lynch, who demanded that she get her match against Bianca Belair at SummerSlam this year, caused that match to end in a disqualification. Or was it a countout? I can't remember. Who cares? No one really won the match. That's the point. Carmella's holding up the Raw Women's Championship at the end. What seemed like an obvious setup at the beginning of that match for Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair, again, at SummerSlam, well, now all of a sudden you got Carmella hanging around in the picture here. So SP3, I will ask you, should WWE book a triple threat match for the Raw Women's Championship at SummerSlam? Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, and Carmella. I beg you, WWE, please don't do this to me. Please don't do this to me. I've been asking for one thing. There's only been one thing that I want as a longtime Bianca Belair fan. I want to see Bianca regain the momentum that she walked into last SummerSlam event with. And the only way to do that is to have her beat Becky Lynch in a shorter amount of time than Becky Lynch beat her one-on-one. -on -one. We do not need Carmella in this. I saw all the people on social media. I hear you, Rick, saying that she's underappreciated appreciated underutilized and i agree i think that carmella is great on the mic she's got a very good character that has developed from certain from the you know the staten island princess to you know the the role with the shinless wonder james ellsworth to miss money in the bank to the smackdown women's champion to the new evolution and that banging theme song that she has right now with mella being money she's really good at what she does even her stretch with the 24 7 title with our truth really good stuff she's played every type of role possible i think that carmella is greatly underrated and underappreciated but she does not need to be in this matchup it will be a good match but she is just She's unnecessary here, and no one's going to believe she's going to win, and it's not going to make it a better match than what we saw at WrestleMania. You are actually lowering the quality by putting Carmella in there, and this is not a detriment to Carmella. It's just when you put somebody in a triple threat that has no chance of winning, it's an unnecessary fonder for the matchup because it just seems like she's just there to take the pinfall, and it's not like all the times we gave a triple 
triple threats with Asuka, where Asuka is one of the best in-ring performer, at least add something to the fact that she's going to take the fall. Carmella is good at all the things I just named, but in ring quality, she's not going to raise this matchup in any way than what we got at WrestleMania. So here's the thing. You're, you're begging WWE not to do this. I'm begging WWE not to give us a 20, a 24 second match or a 22 second match. I'm begging you not to do that unless what your plan to do. And I got to give Stephanie hypes credit for this on Twitter. Unless your plan is for Bianca to squash Becky in the big freaking title match that she she's clawed and scratched and crawled through the muck and broken glass to get to just for Bailey's music to hit and set up another match and kind of play off of what you did. Unless that is your goal. I don't want to do that because I need a match personally at SummerSlam that I'm looking forward to. Like I'm not necessarily thinking that we need to have Becky and Bianca again. But I know that chemistry is off the chain and I know that match is going to be insane. So I would rather see an actual match between them. You say Carmella has no chance of winning. I'm telling you right now, if they book this triple threat match, Carmella's walking away with the title. I think Carmella will win. And honestly, I'll say this much. I think they should book this. I think they should book this match because I think they at least owe it to Carmella to put her in this match. I think it would be a fantastic make good for the job she did at last year's SummerSlam, where she got this title shot at the last second, only to be completely punked out and literally tossed out by Becky Lynch ahead of that match and just thrown away like a piece of garbage. She played her role to perfection that night. She was a pro. She did the job. Give her an actual damn match at SummerSlam this year. I think she's earned it. I think she deserves it. And if she's in it, I'll pick her to win it. I really will. Because I think sooner or later, they're going to try to do a double turn here. I think Becky's going to go babyface. I think Bianca's going to go heel. Bianca's going to lose that title. She's going to turn heel. I think that's what's going to happen. Man, I know Rick's been stressed out, but I didn't know Cincinnati got that good of marijuana that he's been smoking. <laughs> Oh man, I don't. Ha I actually don't have my medical cannabis card, so just on that one. But uh, I'm just saying, I would like to know who was smoking what, or who was chewing what, or who was drinking what when they finalized the script for NXT this week. Roxanne Perez, main event, big title match. This is what this was her reward, right? This was her. Her shot for winning the women's breakout tournament, which I always believe was supposed to go to Nikita Lyons, but she got hurt anyway. But so Roxanne gets it and they give her a title shot. That dreaded NXT parking lot strikes again. You'd think they'd have proper security out there at this point. It is WWE after all. They got money. They should be able to have proper security out there. But damn it, the parking lot strikes again. And all of a sudden we got another whodunit on our hands on NXT this week. Cora Jade's losing her mind. She's chewing her fingernails backstage while she's she's getting checked out medically. Roxanne Perez, I mean. Are we going to have this match? Of course we're going to have this. We're going to have a match. Otherwise, they would have called it off immediately. We knew we were going to have a match. Then Cora Jade comes down there, says, I will proudly take Roxanne's place because she can't go. Then we have Roxanne. Brought down the ring, ribs all taped up and everything like that. And 
yeah, we have a good match because Roxanne Perez is really freaking good at what she does. And Mandy Rose has improved a lot over the last few years. And she's been, whether you want to admit it or not, she has been a good NXT women's champion. That good, not great, but she has been a good NXT women's champion. And then, mind you, this is a week after Cora Jade and Roxanne won the women's tag team titles. They decide to pull the John Mock, excuse me, the Dean Ambrose here. And Team 2001 quickly went to 2009 as Cora Jade hit Roxanne Perez with their women's tag team title belt. She eats the knee from Mandy Rose. And then Cora Jade, God love her, goes to hit Roxanne Perez with her skateboard. And the biggest botch of the entire night. Not just the booking decision, but of the entire night, the skateboard, the wind from <laughs> pulling the skateboard back snaps it in half. And then she's left to just beat Roxanne Perez with half of a skateboard after <laughs> all of that. I felt so bad for Cora in that situation because she didn't get booked into any of that. But and she didn't get handed that shit prop or she didn't fix the prop herself. SP3, this is kind of a rhetorical question. Was this a smart move, turning Cora Jade heel when they did it and how they did it this week on NXT? This might be the dumbest move in NXT 2.0 history. Yes, I'm that. I'm just going it down to NXT 2.0. <laughs> you know, the brand that everybody stopped watching. You know, the brand that they went from black and gold to Nickelodeon colors. You know, the brand that basically made Johnny Gargano the gatekeeper to lose to everybody before he his contract expired. You know, the brand that made Jan Wagner defeat Kyle O'Reilly on his way out you know the brand that has put you know tony d'angelo you know a relative rookie and main event main event spots yeah that brand that brand that put Dolph ziggler over ron breaker at stand and deliver that brand that had dakota kai and raquel rodriguez win the nxt tag women's tag team titles at stand and deliver and lose them two days later this is the dumbest thing I have seen, not only in NXT 2.0 history, in WWE television the entire year. This was the worst ending to any show WWE has given us, I would say, since The Fiend versus Seth Rollins at Hell in a Cell. It's that dumb. It's that dumb. You just put the women's tag team titles on these two. And you went through what could have been, at the very least, a two-month angle, and you did it in two hours. You could have questioned all these people. You could have positioned Nikita Lyons in the Rock 2000 role of, you know, everybody thought, oh, the Rock had the most to gain from Stone Cold getting run over. Nikita Lyons could have been that Rock position of having the most to gain, being the person that dethroned. Mandy Rose from the NXT Women's Championship and everybody's pointing the finger at her that she was the woman, the person that beat her down in the parking lot. So it was her the whole time. You could have had Cora Jade and Roxanne lose the title because of Roxanne's injury. And, you know, it, and it's Roxanne that takes the pin. So they're further giving Cora a reason to eventually turn on her. But no, 
you just decided to do a two month angle at the very least in two hours and give us give us this horrible, horrible payoff where it made absolutely no sense. No sense. You could have had Cora take that title opportunity and just keep Roxanne off for at least one week. You could have made this a two week angle. I would have taken that over this. This was horrible. I don't understand why they did it. I don't understand how they did it. Uh, and Cora Jade, I mean, like timing, execution, and the acting. I, I like Cora Jade. I think that she can work as a heel. But the acting in that whole performance was god awful. I felt like I was watching a high school theater performance and it was really, really bad because they didn't give her the proper time to prepare for this heel turn. So, yeah, this just felt for shock value. Like you said, you compared it to Dean Ambrose turning on Seth Rollins and that was a similar thing. They just want this shock value for that despite them just winning those tag team titles on the same night that Roman Reigns, you know, announced he had leukemia. They just decided to give you the shock value ending and then they had to figure out what to do with the tag team titles after. And the NXT Women's Tag Team titles surprisingly are ahead of the WWE Women's Tag Team titles because check notes, it's actually a thing um <laughs> and you just ruined it you just ruined it because who's left toxic attraction who you have had the titles twice already and now you want to put them on them a third time possibly or katana chance and Kaden carter who are bona fide losers because you have booked them that way well, or it's going to be ivy nile and tatum paxley and only one of those people can actually work right now. So this is just, there's no good options outside of this team who you could have at least given a little bit of a run with before you pulled off this heel turn. It's just so illogical, so half-baked, so microwave booking. Michael Hickenbottom, you just, you probably put in your entry for the worst booker of 2022. Oh, I agree with everything you said, every single thing that you said. So it's hard for me to really add on to that. I will play devil's advocate here and say Katana and Jaden would, pro- excuse me, Caden would probably be the best option here. And I think it would make a ton of sense for the perennial losers to beat Roxanne Perez on her own An injured hobbled Roxanne Perez. You could book that match for next week. If you really wanted to her being a fighting champion saying, Hey, look, I'm still going to defend these tag team titles by myself. Similar to what they did with Seth Rollins. And then they had him lose, I believe, was it War Machine or was it to uh, Viking Raiders? AOP. AOP. Okay, thank you. Uh, And just had him get decimated by himself. And I think you could do that with Jaden and Katana. They could beat a hobbled Roxanne Perez on her own, and they could win the tag team titles that way. I think you could go ahead and book this. But you're absolutely right. Look, the second that Roxanne got taken out in that parking lot, I said it on Twitter. I was like, oh, Cora attacked Roxanne, didn't she? Like. We all knew who it was. It didn't take very, it, was, it wasn't hard. We all knew who it was. Cora Jade, never forget, just a few weeks ago, went full scream and took out every member of Toxic Attraction. She has a history of attacking women backstage and doing this. It wasn't hard to connect the dots. And, and even if you didn't, Wade Barrett told us literally a minute later that it wasn't Toxic Attraction. It was probably her best friend. 
this. Burning through this in two hours was is is infor- is unforgivable at this point. Like, like you said, you had months that you could have played this out. And I think like the only thing that I could really add to it is like, how fun would it have been to see Wendy Chu play like the Mick Foley detective role in all of this? Like that would have been spectacular. And she would have crushed that. Absolutely crushed that. And <laughs> instead you burn it. I, I don't I, I don't know what I don't know what's to be gained unless somebody was like, oh, Rox, uh, unless this is Vince saying, hey, we want Roxanne right now because she's really freaking good. Like, unless that's it and you're setting something else up for for Cora because you need to separate these two uh, from one another. And Cora is I like Cora. The fans don't like Cora. I've, I've seen so many people on on social media say that she's just easily not likable if that's the right way to say that but you know it's, people like to hate Cora for one reason or another she's just not likable on television so yeah turning her heel makes sense but yeah they, they they didn't give her any time to develop that and honestly I didn't notice the acting mostly because I was just dumbfounded by what I saw initially I think I was just doing my what the hell face for like a solid two minutes just staring off into space like did they really just actively decide to piss away two months worth of storylines? The answer 100% is yes, they decided to. And it it's maddening. The only thing that I can think is somebody's getting called up soon. That's the only way this makes sense. That's the only way that this makes sense. Appreciate you guys tuning in to all 56 minutes of this half hour podcast. Again, make sure to give us a thumbs up. Make sure to subscribe. Got some good stuff coming down the line here, uh, including a conversation with Renee Paquette. That'll be dropping early next week. I'm hoping to reschedule my interview with Athena here soon, and that will be dropping hopefully next week. Got some more coming up. I'm going to be boots on the ground in Nashville for SummerSlam. Going to be at the press junket. Already got that invite. Gonna be a lot of good stuff dropping here, and I believe in pro wrestling. Or you can read my work on Cage Side Seats as well. And SP3, you got a lot going on on YouTube, your YouTube channel. Plug it. Check out the True Hill Heat YouTube channel. We got True Hill Heat 184 this Saturday, 11:05 a.m. Eastern Time with special guest. It's Samara, and I got an interview with Impact Wrestling's own Rosemary, as well as GCW's Kevin Gill. So go over to True Hill Heat on youtube and follow me true hill sp3 on twitter uh we do have a quick update here uh on the sasha bank story just important to get all the details out uh, as we record this episode ahead of time uh fightful we weren't told if her not accepting wrestling related bookings is a personal preference or tied to something contractual but we have exhausted our sources to find out so again it's obviously constantly changing what is not changing is the fact that sasha banks ain't gonna be back in wwe any time soon the only game changer to that would be vince mcmahon ain't in charge of creative we did a whole episode this week on why that ain't happening feel free go back right now and watch it otherwise sp3 and i'll be back monday 7 a.m here on believe in pro wrestling enjoy smackdown we'll talk to you next week take care guys this has been the believe in pro wrestling podcast brought to you by bet online thank you for listening to believe 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.